um, got, we're having anybody wants to come watch the uh, Super Bowl today. We're going to be down at Salmon Louis at four four thirty. That's about when it starts, I think four thirty. And uh, everybody's welcome. I encourage you to um, come down and expect to buy something. Anyway, you want to support Salmon Louis? Appreciate that. But um, we're w- I'm working on. I I uh, downloaded a uh, an alternative halftime show so that uh, we can watch something that's more redeeming. And um, I haven't seen it yet, so I've got to check it out. But that will probably be what we do when the halftime hits. So I just want to let you know that. Pardon? Did Chris Mills prep that? No. No. We thought we'd just spring it on Chris. No. (laughs) All right. So, yes, Marie. Can you do that next week after you talk to Sam? That'd be great. Good, good, good. Um, so this morning, uh, we, if you're not familiar, we've been, we're doing something different this year. We're going through the major themes of the Bible over this, this year of 2023. And there are basically 40 sessions. And so that leaves room for some guest speakers, which we have some lined up. And I'm uh, very excited about that. And it also leaves room for holidays and stuff like that. But Today, we started at the beginning of the beginning, Genesis 1-1, and today we're going to be talking about Jacob and Esau. And um, there's a, a little video we're going to play in just a second here. But before we do that, I just want to say, I really relate to Jacob, because Jacob's name means manipulator. It really does. It means heel catcher. He and his, he and his brother Esau were twins, and Esau came out first, and Jacob had him by the heel with his hand when Jacob came out. And, um, and so it actually goes on to explain in the Scripture, that's exactly who Jacob was. And, and uh, before the Lord got a hold of me, and, and ever since, he's been changing me. That's really, I was kind of a, a person who was a manipulator, a user. And God has really been breaking my heart and transforming me over the years. So this story is close to my heart, but let's go ahead and watch a little bit of the video. I've always thought it's interesting that time feels like it's constantly speeding up. As a child, an hour felt like a lifetime, but as an adult, a year passes by too fast to keep track of it. It seems to be a universal experience that as we look back on our life, The long hours and days compressed together into a blur. Everything feels like it was just yesterday. With our lives constantly accelerating, we've become a people who hate to wait. Waiting is the worst. Time is the greatest commodity because no amount of money or talent can buy you more of it. So when it feels like we're forced to waste it, that's a difficult test to pass. With our plans and our dreams, and our long-held promises unfulfilled, waiting may be the greatest test of all. 
Genesis tells the story of two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Tradition had it that the older brother would earn the family's inheritance and carry on the family's name. Genesis refers to it as his birthright. In this case, it would be the older brother, Esau. But surprisingly, God had told the boy's mother that Esau would end up serving his younger brother, Jacob. That must have come as a shock to both Jacob and his mother. Actually, the two brothers had been born as twins, but the few minutes that made Esau older were enough to secure his place as the traditional head of the family. Those few minutes might as well have been years. The birthright was Esau's, and Jacob was left holding what was starting to feel like an empty promise. When would his brother serve him, and what would that mean? For years, there was no sign of God's promise being fulfilled to Jacob. Esau grew into the role and the expectations of his position. Jacob remained his mother's favorite, but nothing much else. Eventually, they got tired of waiting. Who hasn't felt what they did? What good is a promise if it goes unfulfilled? Maybe there was a way they could get things started. Maybe God was waiting for them to take the initiative. Suddenly, every moment began to look like an opportunity to find their own way. Maybe Esau's birthright was something they could take for themselves. Maybe they could steal a blessing. So they plotted, they manipulated, and they lied. They attempted to bypass the waiting by carrying out their own plan. They took matters into their own hands. They acted for their own benefit. It was crude and it was clumsy, but it worked. Jacob bartered for Esau's birthright, and they deceived Jacob's father and stole his blessing. They got what they wanted, and with it, a family disintegrated into conflict and resentment. Jacob was forced to flee for his life. Once you recognize it, this impatience is all over the Bible. Our ancestors found it as difficult to wait as we do. It's hard to think of a biblical promise that didn't test the patience of its recipient. David put it this way in the Psalms. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? It's so easy to think that things always work out easier for everyone else. No one else feels this stuck. No one else is left wondering and waiting like me. But the Bible is more honest. God's people often wait, and often they dislike it just as much as you do. Trusting God's plans and timings challenge their faith in the same way that it does us. Like them, you have dreams. You have promises that you've held on to for years. You've spent countless nights praying with all of your strength, only to wake up the next morning into the same reality. More waiting. Our world is always looking for ways out of it. We are desperate for convenience and efficiency, and we will gladly pay to jump the line for next day delivery and anything labeled fast acting. But God often works in ways that this world finds uncomfortable. God calls us into the test of waiting. Something interesting happens when we wait. The real test turns out not just to be wasted time. The real test turns out to be trust. Can we trust God enough to offer him our time? Or do the passing days leave us feeling suspicious that we're better off on our own? And is our impatience worth the consequences? 
the consequence of forfeiting what God is doing for what we expect when we expect it. The test of waiting reveals our deepest desires and hopes. Are we waiting for only what we want? Or are we waiting for him? That line is often thin, but discovering what motivates our waiting may be the most important part of the test. What are you really waiting on? Listen.
I have a loud voice anyway. So thank you guys. <laughs> so Rebecca recruits Jacob. She's got a plan. And so one day Isaac, who's, you know, he can't see now, he calls Esau to him and he says, he says, I know I'm not going to live a whole lot longer. So I want you, I want to pray and give you the family inheritance, the blessing, the first firstborn blessing. And so he sends Esau in the field to get a, probably a deer or an antelope or something. And because he knows Esau is a great hunter. And he said, I want you to go out and get me that and fix me my favorite dinner. And so Esau takes off and Rebecca sees her opportunity. She grabs Jacob and she says, quick, go get a lamb from the flock. And I'm going to cook it up just the way your dad likes it. And then I'm going to doctor you up because Esau was a hairy guy and Jacob was a smooth guy. She puts, she puts skins on his forearms. I don't know how she managed to, to make this work. But she puts skins on his forearms. And then Jacob takes the food after a little bit of time, before his brother comes back, takes the food in and says, Dad, I'm Esau, and I want you to bless me now. So we're going we're gonna to read the story a little bit here. But before I get into the story, I want to just share a, another example that... Um, that, that I thought was powerful. Imagine uh, a nine-year-old boy named Thomas. He goes out his back door one morning and he sees his best friend, Sam, playing with an action figure, a Boba Fett Mandalorian action figure, something that, that Thomas has been wanting for months and his best friend has got it. And he's, now he's angry and he runs back in the house and he's crying and he runs up to where his mom is working in the upstairs room. And he says, Thomas has got Boba Fett and, and I don't have it and I got to have it. And he, and he just has a major tantrum. And screaming and crying. And finally his mother says, all right, we'll go to the store. And, and she, she takes him to the store and they, she buys the action figure. And then he seems to be fine. So is everything fine now? No, it's got some serious problems going on here. And this is an illustration that's very similar to the family we're talking about this morning. First thing is, is the first problem for Thomas, it's not that he doesn't have the action figure he wants, it's that he is jealous of his friend. And then behind that jealousy is a bigger problem. Thomas now manipulates his mom into getting what he wants. Anybody remember their childhood? <laughs> and then the third thing is, is that we realize it's, it's not so much what Thomas did, is that Thomas's heart has become hard. It's become angry. He's becoming somebody who is driven by jealousy and he's willing to manipulate to get what he wants. Us parents who've been raising kids, it's really... We all deal with this in our children as they grow up, don't we? But the biggest issue here is that Thomas didn't trust his mom and dad to give him what he needed when he needed it. That's the biggest issue. So it's, it's just kind of a silly story, but really this, this, this scenario plays out all through the Bible where God makes promises to us, and tells us he's got a plan for us and he wants us to trust him. But our own fears, 
our own jealousies, we, we just don't trust Him. We don't wait for Him. Instead, we try to make things happen. And it ends up making huge messes and devastating the people, often the people we love the most. So let's look at the story. And again, this story is all about trust. It's all about trust. We'll talk about more in a second. So at the beginning in Genesis 25, we're going to read... Uh, Verses 25 through verses 21 through 26 first. Okay? Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? she asked. And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. When the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth, was covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau, which means red, I guess. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob, which means heel catcher or somebody that trips somebody up, manipulated. In their culture, again, the firstborn was typically given the, the rights of being of, of owning the majority of the estate. The second son would have to find something else to do. So that was kind of an abnormality. And, and why God did it this way is a great question for discussion. How many of you can remember a time where somebody was allowed to do something that they really was against the norm for them to do it? I remember when I was, uh, I played tennis in high school. I was on a tennis team. I remember when I was a senior, we had a guy who was a freshman on our team named Scott, who later on became one of my best friends, still is today. But he, because he was better than I was, he got to play ahead of me in our tennis matches. And I struggled with that. I felt like, hey, I've been on this team for four years. I'm a senior. I should have some privileges. But that wasn't the way it was. Our coach put the guy who was better, who was the best, at the, at the head. So you can see how those kinds of things can cause problems in relationships. Let's move on in the story, the plot. And this is Genesis 27, first 10 verses. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I'm going to die. Take your bow and quiver full of arrows and go out in the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac said to Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she told her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal, then I'll bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll prepare, th 
Use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. So, crisis for Rebecca, right? Here, God has told her this is the way it's going to be. Jacob is going to end up being the firstborn, have the firstborn rights. But it looks like that's not happening. It looks like God is not answering what he has said he was going to do. So she felt that because of that, she couldn't trust God. She was going to have to make things happen the right way, helping God out. Anybody think of a similar situation where um, a godly man had to help, felt like he had to help God out, or a godly couple? Any guesses? Yeah, Peggy got it. Let's give Peggy a hand. Good job. Sarah and Abraham. Do you remember when God told Sarah and Abraham, Sarah's going to have a son? And then Sarah, now Sarah's 90 years old. There's no son. And so she, she tells Abraham, uh, apparently God's not coming through the way I thought. Maybe he wants us to be creative. Here, take my handmaiden and, uh, and, and create a new life in her. And that'll be the way God answers what he told us he was going to do. You know, we may laugh at Abraham and Sarah, but really, if we sit down and think about it, how many of us can say, yeah, I kind of got in the mix here and kind of tried to help God out if in my life once or twice because I didn't think God was going to come through the way he had promised me. Wow. Have you ever wanted to help God out instead of trusting him? Boy, I could tell you some stories about this if we had time. Why is it so hard for us to trust God beyond what we can see or understand? I think part of it is because we're so focused on what we can see that we don't We've got to get away and get in the Lord's presence to see from His perspective. Isn't that true? When we are focused on what's right in front of us, it just seems so real. It's like when we watch a movie on TV, a really good movie that really sucks us in. It's almost like it becomes more real than the real life around us. And it's like you shut the TV off and, and it's like you're still caught up in that world you've been watching and then After a while, it fades away, and you go, oh, that wasn't real. Let's see what happens. Let's go a little further, Genesis 27, 18 through 25. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you? Esau or Jacob? So guess who's suspicious already? The voices have got to be different. Jacob replied, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done like you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, How'd you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure you're really Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's. But the hands are Esau's. And they fooled him with that, the, the fur that they put some of the animal fur on his arm. 
So Jacob went closer to his father. Oh, excuse me. So, but he did not recognize Jacob, verse 23, because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau, he said? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it. Then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him, and then he prayed his blessing over him. Five times Isaac asked, is it really you? He, was, he knew something was up, but he wasn't sure. It's really interesting. I would have loved to have been a fly on a wall to watch what that one happened. And notice that Jacob's when he gets in with his first lie, it's like now he's got to go in, you know, what does they say, in for a... Uh, in for a penny, in for a pound, or something like that. Once he got in, he had to just keep lying. I mean, you ever felt that way? You ever been in a situation where you you lied to get your way, and then you had to keep lying and adding to your lie so you wouldn't be found out? Boy, that's a horrible feeling. I have done it. When I was uh, in, uh, I was like a sophomore in high school. We had a house. In, uh, in Washington State on the water. And um, I remember a, a, another a visiting family came to a summer home down the beach, and they had a young lady who was about my age that I was attracted to. I had a kind of a crush on her, her named Vicky, And uh, <coughs> I had three brothers growing up, Greg, Vernon, Neil. And uh, so they all knew I had a crush on Vicky, And so I, I invited Vicky over to our house one Saturday morning to make pancakes for her and uh, make breakfast. And... Uh, so I, I was cooking breakfast, and we're sitting outside eating the pancakes on the back porch. And my brother Vern says to Vicky, Jim's got a crush on you. I was so humiliated, totally embarrassed. And I denied it. I said, no, I don't. I just like you as a friend. And, and Vern came, no, he's got a crush on you. And, and I ended up pounding my brother because I was so embarrassed. It's just the way it is with lying and deception. It only gets worse if you stay with it. Let's keep going on here. Genesis 27, verses 30 through 38 and verse 41. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his mother, his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. Same thing Jacob said about half an hour ago. But Isaac asked him, who are you? And Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me my wild game? I've already eaten it and blessed him before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. But Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he's cheated me twice. There's another time for this. Esau exclaimed, oh, excuse me, first he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he's stolen my blessing. 
Haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I've made Jacob your master and I've declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I've guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? But Esau pleaded, don't you, you only have one blessing? Father, bless me too. So Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Wow. The fruit of manipulating and deceiving ended up being the heart of murder, isn't it? Just a, so the amazing thing is that in spite of this manipulation, God still accomplished his purposes and what he had said would happen with Jacob being the, the son that was uh, became the, the inheritor of the family property and, the, and the, also the, the legacy to, to bring forth a redeemer down the road because he was Jesus' ancestor. But look at the pain that it caused. Look at the separation it caused. And, and, and shortly after this, Esau has to run for his life. I mean, Jacob has to run for his life. And then they, they are now, they are separated and, and for a long, long time, many, many years before there is a finally a reuniting and a kind of a reconciliation. You wonder how this might have worked out if, if Rebecca had said, God, I am going to trust you. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm going to let you answer and show yourself strong. You made this promise. I believe in you. So God, you do what you got to do. You wonder, what would have happened? How might things have been different? How might Jacob's and Esau's relationship have been different? Maybe Esau wouldn't have wanted to kill his brother. Maybe God would have worked it out somehow so that they could have continued on as friends. But we don't know because that's not what happened. And, and now the family has been devastated and they're never going to be the same. It's easy to judge Rebecca, though, isn't it? For trying to force things out and she and Jacob in their favor rather than trusting God. The biggest mistake we could make, though, is to think that we're not like Rebecca, that we don't, we would never do that. We would never manipulate. See, you and me, each one of us is, is also challenged personally. We have to, before the Lord, choose to trust God in our circumstances, with our families, regarding our destinies, regarding the choices that we have to make every day. And manipulation and deception is really the easy way to go. It's much harder to trust God for things that look like they are out of my control. It's much easier to try to help God make things go the way they're supposed to go. In order to trust God, we have to stay in that place I talked about at the beginning this morning, that place of being in God's presence 
listening to him, cultivating a hearing heart. And that's a daily thing. When you look around at your family, your, just, just say your extended family. People who don't know the Lord. And let's, let's say that, assuming that when you do that, that there's some people in your family that don't know the Lord. Do you see deception? Do you see manipulation? Do you see people fighting for position? You know, I've seen a number of families over the years that have lost a loved one and there was not a will and family members, people you thought were all just wonderful people, all of a sudden were at one another's throats, fighting over what should be theirs. It's really easy to think about those people that would do that, but this morning I want to challenge you. What about your heart? What about your heart? What has God told you to do? What has God promised you? What is it that you're waiting for, like we watched in the movie? What are you waiting for that is hard for you to trust God for? One of the most common things I see is, is single adults wanting desperately to have that one love and struggling to wait because superficial relationships are easy to get into. But to wait for the God-given choice, the, the one that's done His way, that's, that's hard. That's really hard. And yet God says, put me to the test. Try me. Test me. Trust me and be willing to wait for me and see that I will come through for you. But it may not be in your timing. It will be in mine. I encourage you, if you know people that are in that circumstance that are struggling to wait for God, for His provision, His answer, pray for them. Don't talk about them. Pray for them. Ask God to give them strength and encourage them in their walk with the Lord, their daily time with Him, because that's really where this all works out. There are examples in the Bible of people who chose to wait, chose to be obedient in spite of the sacrifice and to trust God. We talked about that last week when Abraham was told to take Isaac, his only son, up to this mountain and sacrifice him. His only son. And Abraham, instead of trying to make something, work it out his way, he just trusted God, and God's the one that said, all right, and he brought the, he brought the answer to the man who trusted him, the man who waited for him. The goal of this month, of these two months we're talking about this concept, or this year actually we're talking about this whole idea of listening to God's word it's for us not just to gain understanding, for us to really hear the heart of the Lord, what He wants to speak to us in our lives. So I've got some questions for you to look at. And, and, and I just encourage you, there behind Rosie, there's worksheets for today that have got all those questions. They're on the left side. And there's also devotionals for this coming week, for this lesson. This lesson is so full of stuff that I can't even, that I can only touch the tip of the iceberg for. And these are for you to take home. And, and um, if you don't have the app yet on your smartphone, the Bible Engagement Project app, 
You can take the paper copy home and do the devotionals. There's Monday through Friday. If you, if you want the app, all we got to do is talk to me, and I'll send you another invite and show you how to, how to get it on your phone. That way you, you can take the uh, Bible Engagement Project anywhere you go where you take your phone. So, And the other part of that is that the, the app also has family devotions, and this is for parents to be able to talk to their kids because your kids, if you've got kids down the hall, they are learning the same story that we are learning today. And so I encourage you to uh, get connected on that Bible Engagement Project app or grab the paper copy if you only have a clamshell phone or no smartphone at all. And uh, that way you can go deeper this week in God's Word and, and what we've been talking about today, it'll expand on it. They don't take a lot of time to do, but they really challenge you. The questions are, are really important questions. Well, let's look at the questions from today. First one, um, think of a time you caused unnecessary hurt by trying to take matters into your own hands rather than trusting in God's plan. Can you think about that? And you could take this, this home today and it's on that handout and you could work on this later, but it's important for us to allow God's Word to work into us. The second question is, can you think of a time that jealousy over others having what you wanted or desired caused you to act in a way that you regret? Third question was, how might learning to have a greater trust in God and His plan help you with the hurt you may have experienced or caused other people in the past? If you've learned to trust God since you did damage to others because of not trusting God, how can God now help you know how to bring healing in yourself and with those you, you affected? The fourth question, what thoughts or habits do you need to let go of in order to grow in your trust of God in this area of your life? And again, this is such an important point. The reason we are afraid of things that we can't control is because we don't know God well enough to trust Him that He can handle what is outside of our control. I was thinking today as I was driving here, I c I've got control over some things in my life. Like I can choose what lane I'm going to drive on down the road, right? But can I control the guy who's driving in the lane coming towards me? No, I can't. And sometimes that guy crosses the lane. That's what happened to a young lady in this, from our church a few years ago. I mean, just this last year, that a drunk driver crossed the lane and killed her. There is so much of life you can't control. And the best way to overcome fear and unbelief and, and to be able to trust God is to know God better. And that is a daily thing that you do, line upon line, as you get to know the Lord. And when you get to know the Lord over, over time, you find that your ability to rest in the middle of things, that your ability to trust for things that are out of your control increases. It's an amazing thing. We probably will never think that we've got it licked. I, I don't think I know anybody that's there. Though I've met some people that are pretty amazing in their ability to trust God in hard times. But I just want to say that as you trust God and as you build that relationship day by day, you're going to discover your 
faith is increasing and your peace is increasing. The last question, what areas of your life seem to be most consistently difficult for you to trust God? You'll have to think about this regarding yourself. Of course, for me, I'm guessing maybe Brooke, um, it would be to trust God for our children when they're all the way across the world, our grandchildren, all the way across the world. Yeah, even when they're down the street. I mean, it's like they're almost always in harm's way somehow. But can we trust, can we control our kids? Can we protect them 24-7? No matter how, much, how, how good you are flying the helicopter, you're never going to be good enough to protect your kids. Okay, so I close just, uh, um, there's some four, uh, four just re- encouraging reminders from God's word. These are great promises. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, God's ways are higher than my ways, your ways, our ways. Secondly, despite how we feel, God is not slow to accomplish his plans. He just has a different timetable than we do. 2 Peter 3, 9. Third, from Psalm 34, 8, ultimately God is always good and his plans for us are always good. Can we believe that? Can we rest in that? And it doesn't come instantly. And lastly, from Psalm 34, 19, though the righteous will face trials, God will rescue us. Isn't that a wonderful promise? So this morning I want to close in prayer. Again, I want to remind you to, to do the uh, take advantage of the devotional. They're just incredible. Brooke and I really are enjoying those. And you can also, if you're using your app on your phone, you can write your responses, what you thought about them, or questions you have, and it, we can dialogue back and forth on the Bible Engagement Project app. So, God, we just thank you for this morning. Man, Jacob and Esau are just so much. I mean, they, I feel like they're so much like me and my brother. <sighs> Lord, I just thank you for these stories. Really, the Bible doesn't cover it up and make things look pretty. It, it exposes all the, all, the, all the garbage, all the real stuff that we deal with. And we ask for your help, Lord. This whole issue of trusting. Why is it, Lord, I've been a believer all these years and I still struggle trusting you? We ask for your help, Lord. We ask for grace and and that you would just continue to break in upon us, Lord, with the realization that you are good and you're in control and you can be trusted. That this life is not all there is, Lord, and everything will come right. You will make everything right at some point. Help us, Lord, to believe you, to rest in you. And I just thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray you'd help your people my brothers and sisters here, to increase and to grow in their knowledge of you, that they might develop that deep bedrock of trust in their lives. Father, I pray you'd minister to each one that comes up to be prayed for as we close. And we just thank you for your goodness, Lord, and lift up the rest of our day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful afternoon. We have...